pass from Havili was magic. The shift on for Crotty. Boom, far down you go, Quaggett Smith. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Sit back, relax, put your belt on, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Draft Rugby Show. I'm your host, Kagi, and tonight we are going to take a look at the glorious Pumas' first ever win against the All Blacks on the weekend. <laughs> History awesome. has been made. Um, and whether or not the Wallabies will be up to the task at facing the mighty Pumas uh, this coming weekend. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Harry and Nelson. Gents, how are you both? And um, just how good was that game? And the first question of the pod is going to be, who is your bigger man crush? Pablo Matera or Marcos Crema? Oh, for me, mate, it's uh, Pablo Matera. Crema, Crema got through a lot of work. I think he had a couple of penalties and stuff against him, but... Uh, mate, Pablo Matera. Brain in Marcos Crema's body. Oh. <laughs> I mean, Pablo has got a pretty good body anyway. It's, it's not two shabs. Um, I'm wearing the Waratahs beanie because it's the closest I've got to the sky blue, the colours of uh, Argentina. Harry's got the flag in the background. So our Waratahs kit will just have to... Um, and I've got a photo of Pablo himself. Look, Nelson with minimal effort, that's fine. Um, it's, you know, we'll just, we'll make up for it. It's, um, <laughs> um, if you haven't already uh, and you want to see what we're talking about, you can get after us on YouTube at Draft Rugby. We uh, record this Zoom call, put it up on YouTube and put up uh, it as a podcast. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Please give us a, a subscribe, a like, a follow, whatever. Harry, what are we doing? It's a Christmas drive. We're trying to uh, crank. Try and get some likes and reviews. Yep. Uh, we want to thank uh, every single person out there that did it during the week. Everyone, every one of you. I'd list you, but we just don't have time. No, that's and, it. And uh, Craig's just quick yet. Shout out to yourself as well, mate. 80th podcast today. Oof. Huge. Um, well, with that, uh, thank you for that. It's... Uh, it's amazing we've got this far. But uh, with that, let's review the other caps. Uh, Harry, you are always leading from the front. Uh, 88. So coming up to that big 90th mark. Um, where it's going to be exciting when eventually we like surpass um, you know, the, uh-huh. lead, the lead Wallabies caps and whatever. Craig, um, <laughs> does, does it just mean Harry's got the least life out of all of us? He's always on the pod. Look, we'll choose to take that. It's, it's like similarly how we look at stats. You know, we interpret them how they benefit us the most. Mm. So, Nelson, I think that's a great reading. Um, but that does, of course, leave you like the fantasy table on the bottom of the podcaps um, with 76. So, not too far off, but um, still just, you know, bring it up the rear. So, that's all right. Um, now, look, I'm actually going to take this beanie off. It's like 100 degrees. I, don't, I can't do it. But um, let's get into the pod. Uh, the game. Argentina, 25 at the final whistle. Or should I say, Nicolas Sanchez, 25, uh, defeating the All Blacks, 15, at Bankwest Stadium with a huge blockbuster crowd of 9,000 people. Wow. And uh, look, for me, I reckon this one had a, a lot of checker feel about it. You know, a lot of, you know, a lot of pride and underdog going into that match. And, I mean, the, the fans there, the might have been 3,000 Argentinian fans or something. I heard a report, but they were extremely, extremely loud, and as they should be. They that, sound- was, that was the rest of the Argentinian squad that you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, look, they certainly sounded like your 30,000 Australians, you know what I mean? They, um, they certainly know how to get behind their boys. Uh, there was a lot of shirts off, so uh, I'm surprised, yes. surprised I didn't see you two in the crowd in the, in the budgie smugglers, uh, the uh, old great, the Rams budgies. Um, but uh, no, it was. Uh, it looked like a fun, fun event to be at. And uh, I mean, is there anything better than watching New Zealand lose, particularly for the first time against the team uh, in the flesh? They, they can't, it's not much better than that. Oh, look, mate, I, I think uh, there's a lot of countries I don't want to see beat New Zealand, but Argentina is one I definitely wanted to see. Yeah, it was a good game. Great Very game. good. All right. Well, so this was the Pumas' first game in 402 days. There's been a lot of you know a lot made of the, the stats. Um, we were just talking before the pod about just how long they've been together and what they've been through to get here. And I'm sure I've, you know, I've read lots of comments. There'll be a movie made about this. Um, but uh, look, you could certainly see in their celebrations um, just what it meant to them. You know, this was, this was winning their World Cup final. Um, I think we were just reflecting before the game that um, it's easy. I think it's hard. You know, we certainly give Argentina credit for being a great rugby side, but it's easy to 
overlook them and not sing their praises. We're just talking about how they've, they've been in the quarters and almost the semis in the last few World Cups. Um, you know, they started beating South Africa more regularly in the last four or five years. Us a couple um, of times too. Yeah, us, well, we, we don't mention that, but us a couple of times. Um, and uh, yeah, anyway, so look, 402 days since their last game, which would have been in the World Cup. Uh, they've, it's, they've been kind of together, we were saying, for around three months, which has kind of included a month quarantine in Uruguay. Um, and then they've been here, we were saying, what, about six, seven weeks, eight weeks, something like that. Um, and yeah, wow, they looked absolutely shredded, a lot of them. Uh, and I mean, they must have just been doing skills drills all day because their skills were well and truly up to it. Uh, they were surpassing the All Blacks as far as I was concerned. What did you guys make of it? I think um, for, for me, there, there's, don't get me wrong, one handling error in 80 minutes of footy is exceptional. They mm. really didn't give an inch, but I, I think their defence won the game. Pablo Matera said it after in his post-match uh, press conference as well. They said they were comfortable without the ball and they, they really backed their line. And I, I don't remember, I mean, I, I, I do now that I think about England belting New Zealand last year, but um, it, it was an exceptional, ex- exceptional defensive performance. And the way they, w- they went about it, I thought was awesome, seeing, you know, two men in every single tackle they could, both of them going high, going for dominant hits at every opportunity. Like, if you ever needed more of a, a, a way to brag about what physical specimens your team is, putting their All Blacks on their ass almost at every single tackle has to be the best way to possibly do it. They just demolished them. Then they just went, whoever makes a tackle, there's two there. You guys can have a crack at the ball or no one does anything in the ruck. We just found out. And there was a couple of moments where I counted five New Zealand attackers in the ruck and zero from Argentina. So they still got more turnovers, yet they had 15 men in the defensive line at every single opportunity. It was just ridiculous. Yeah, they, they definitely added a chapter to the, the book that England wrote, I think, in the, the World Cup last year on how to beat the All Blacks. It was definitely line speed, but they, they picked and chose when they hit those breakdowns. Every Each of their locks, big, you know, big imposing figures, were dominant. They held the guys, the opposition up when they had the chance. Um, and Pablo Matera, he was, you know, running freely, picking and choosing when he was hitting those rocks and moors. He, I think I saw him drift behind, the, you know, four or five rocks in a row and then pick when he was going to hit it. And he was getting it right most of the time as well. It was pretty brilliant. Yeah, I have to say, and look, I didn't answer myself to uh, who were who my men crushing more over, Kremer or Matera. Look, I've been a huge fan of Matera for a long time. And whilst Harry has said in the last few weeks that Kremer has had the you know supreme back row build. I, I didn't fully believe him that this game I'm sold. Kremer mm. was immense. He, as you said, I think it, the decisions they were making in terms of just absolutely smashing the All Blacks and then choosing to just go all in on a ruck or just all stay out. It's kind of felt like either they overwhelmed the All Blacks at a ruck where they all chose to go in, or they just didn't didn't go in for any. And just kept smashing them until they didn't have the will to keep running the ball. They just literally smashed the will out of them. So they had to kick. And Kremer yeah. led the way. I think he, I'm not sure. I think he topped the tackles with 28 tackles. And, yeah. you know, I'd love to know how many of those were dominant tackles. But the majority, yeah. I feel like. Yeah, 30 of them were. <laughs> yeah. He was, it was Two opportunities, I'm sure he tackled more than one man. Yeah, the, the efficiency was just so high for them in, in defence as well. They had 89% of, of the tackles, which was the same as New Zealand. But as you said, um, Greggs, they were just physically intimidating a lot more. Something that I think seems a bit harsh to talk about when you, you think of the All Blacks. But at the moment, they don't have those imposing figures that they've had in the past. You know, the Kano's, the Reeds. I mean, I, for me, I think they're massively missing Retallick as well. Yeah, um, yeah. They're going to be confused why he hasn't been there this year with, with everything that's gone on. Um, but yeah, look, I, I think it was just an amazing, amazing effort from uh, the Pumas. They, they came out, they were ready to go and they fired, but it was really well thought out as well. Mm. It just New Zealand really still, I, I think it's been like four years now, they still have no clear idea about how to beat a rush defence. I think every single game that they've lost in the last four years has been from a rush defence. 
clearly they made Richie Moe and Bowden Barrett 10-15 as their way to play two fly halves, take some pressure off the first man, give them the opportunity to put their short kicks in behind. Don't get me right, it works against Australia when we have no idea what we're doing defensively and have no line speed. But every time a team actually presses up on them, they, they really truly have no idea how to beat it. And for me, like Nelson said, I feel like it is just that physicality there on their day. And let, let's not take anything away from New Zealand on their day. They're the best team in the world. You can't stop them. But now that they don't have that physical presence, it really does seem like if you can get on top of them in that area, they start to wilt. They really, really do. And I, I mean, I, I, I was thinking about, you know, what they need to do to fix this team. Brody Retallick's obviously, you know, one of the best, if not the best lock in the world. Like he's an obvious one. But I, I just come back to the same point I keep saying. Their back row balance is all wrong. Artie Sevilla, <laughs> Sam Kane. Artie Sevilla is an incredible talent that can play seven or eight. But I'm sorry, he's a seven and they need a big eight. But last, first, of, first of all, I can't let Harry off the hook there. It's the first, like some of the things I saw this weekend, that's the first time I've ever said someone saying, don't get me right. I'm pretty sure it's don't get me wrong. I know. But, um, no, that was just fantastic. Um, it might be a Dale thing, you know what I mean? Right and wrong, getting confused. It's hard to really translate them, I guess. But um, no, look, I think last week you were just saying Artie had convinced you that he could no. be an eight. He was an eight. I can swear that's exactly yeah, what you the, thought. The thing uh, is, you, you're right. right. I, I did say that. I did. But, I mean, that was against an Australian team. When they get out-muscled like that, I just – I think that there's not enough bodies. Look, for how many years did we say New Zealand don't pick, you know, two open-side flankers and try to squeeze them in the same back row? They don't do the pooper. We said that for years and all of a sudden they've done it. And I don't care how physical and how dominant Artie Sevier can be. I mean, if, if he's just starting back row, I'll put him in that open side flanker. If not, you have him on the bench because who could be more impactful off the bench? And he can cover the whole back row. And I guess, look, if we're... If we if it was up to the both of you, you'd probably you'd probably drop both Sam Kane and Artie and bring in Lachlan Boshier for sure. Um, I mean, Boshier, yes. There's no way I'm dropping Artie. <laughs> no, well, on that, and we could be skipping ahead here, but I, I have to agree. Look, we've talked a lot about Shannon Frizzell and how he has all the traits that you want, and we know what he can do. He can smash anyone. As far as I'm concerned, he can smash anyone as hard as Kremer, but we're not seeing it. We just aren't seeing it from him. And the one person who I, I said, I, when I'm saying jumping ahead, Hoskins Satutu, when he came on, whew, now for, for mine, he's got to be starting at six. Uh, and you know, I want Akira to be on there, but Hoskins came on and he was the first bloke in the All Blacks in this game that started smashing some people back. And from a very quick look at the stats, uh, with, I guess, a quarter of the game time, he had, I think, the same amount of carries, run meters and tackles pretty much as uh, Frizzell. So in a quarter of the time, in a quarter of the time, he was as impactful, basically. Um, I'm not convinced he's a six. I think he's actually... No, I, I, don't, I don't know either. Um, although, I guess... to fix the problem. You put Artie Sevier to seven and put him at eight. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but, six, so I, it's not Shannon Frizzell. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he's an eight, if, I mean, if you ask me. But he got the most run meters out of any forward for the All Blacks. Yeah. He was on for, you know, minimal minutes. So... What are, what are the other carriers doing at the time in that in that fort back? Going backwards, mate. Getting hit by Kremer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess. Look, a lot of those meters were. I think it was two scrums. He came off the back of two scrums and went for a good gallop. But, but Artie uh, is on the back of a scrum all the time, mate. For a longer portion of the game. No, it's true. Um, I'm just saying. About, I'm still comparing to two two to Frizzell. Um, <clears throat> but for me, it wasn't. It wasn't necessarily about the run meters. It was about some of the force. You know, when I saw him come on, I'm talking about the tackles. He really yeah. gave it to some people and, uh, and that's what they needed. They just need an, inf- where's their enforcer? You know, like, I'm not sure why they're picking Frizzell over Satutu um, other than perhaps he's a little more seasoned, uh, <clears throat> perhaps a cooler head, but it's not like Satutu has done anything particularly stupid ever, really. So I don't know what the deal is there, but I'd be picking him. I don't know. I don't know who their long-term answer is for six. I think that's their biggest problem at their moment. That's why there's no balance in that team. They can't settle on a six, and they're they're trying to give Frizzell every single chance, but uh, he's just. I mean, he's good for at one in five or six games. Other than that, I don't think he does his job. And you take him against a physical pack like that, or against South Africa or England. I, I don't think he's your guy. I've got an answer for you, Luke Jacobson. <laughs> yeah, I think Luke Jacobson is their long-term six option. Yeah, I agree. A name who, who we haven't spoken a lot about. Yeah. 
All right, well, look, getting back to the game, I guess uh, we've talked about how Argentina came out with all the intent, the passion, the physicality. Um, we talked about the skills. They just looked like a well-oiled, well-drilled, cohesive machine. They were getting through a lot of phase play. Uh, they were actually keeping the pace up very high. Uh, and they, were, they weren't afraid to go from side to side or keep it in tight. They just looked, they looked like they, a team that knew what they were doing at all times. You know what I mean? There wasn't... Uh, we've had a lot in the Wallabies the last few weeks, just times where the boys <clears throat> look like they don't know what to do right now. Um, there's always bodies in motion, people moving to get into to the next phase. They looked really good with the number of loop plays, things like that. It just, um, they, they perfectly executed their game plan. Um, and, and, you know, and then they took their opportunity. So things like uh, they've had penalty advantage, Sanchez's little chip through and they, they got the rub of the green. They got the bounce for that try. Um, what I particularly liked was, and this is, this is where I'm putting my green and gold glasses on firmly. Um, it felt really nice to watch a game where New Zealand, A, was getting pinged a lot at the things that they get away with a lot of the time. Two weeks but, B, but B, that they just weren't getting the rub of the green. There was certainly a few calls <clears throat> that didn't go their way. There was a few bounces of the ball. And it just felt like, this is where I, I will concede I'm wearing the green and gold glasses, but it felt like what it feels like half the time as a Wallabies fan. That's like, if we just got a little bit luckier. Uh, and it felt yeah. like nothing was going their way and they just were capitulating because of it. The biggest one of, along that line for me was the Geordie Barrett penalty. You know, coming in and they said no no arms late hit um, when he was going for a charge down. I thought there was absolutely nothing in that. That's a perfect uh, example. Yeah, yeah. It's not, not like, how can you try and defend that to Sam Kane after? I don't, I don't get that at all. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Don't, don't go down into slow motion. It doesn't help anything. Um, but, you, uh, and sorry, yeah. my my point further on that was, uh, you could see how fired up um, even Mer- Andrew Merton's in the commentary. He he couldn't even maintain his objectiveness as a commentator. He was starting, to, he was starting to say, uh, they're talking about how um, they wanted the All Blacks to start picking up and they had a lot of skills, a lot of areas of the game. And uh, Merton's like, I want to see Angus Gardner pick up his game. What about? Yeah. <laughs> and Kafer called him out, just like, oh, so the All Blacks never do anything wrong, do they, uh, Andrew? It was, it was, it was, uh, he was getting real frustrated, which was great to see. But. Um, Yes, moving along. With the, you were talking about the passion, mate. The, mm. the best part for me was how about when, uh, I think it was Dane Cole slapped Kremer in the face. Slapped, um, yeah, Kremer. Or Frizzell, I think, slapped him. Yeah, or whoever it was. Pablo Matera comes in and just starts firing up with his crazy eyes as he does. And uh, Angus Gardner tried to tell him off. And rather than being like, oh, yeah, sir, sorry, no problem. He's just like, I'm playing for my country. They need to show us some respect. And yeah. he's like holding his, ta- his buddy emblem for, his, for Argentina in his chest. I was just like, oh, it's so good. It's just exactly everything we love about Argentina, isn't it? Oh, yeah. No, yeah that, was was, that combined with Nelson's uh, Zoom background, that screenshot of uh, when Pablo made that huge steal towards the end of the game and just had that face the blue steel of rugby, if you will. That should be unanimously voted the blue steel of rugby. That I, I can't wait to see the, the uh, statue of that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's currently being built in... Put it in front uh, of Bank Zero. West. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Those rucks, we all say what a turnover Merchant Pocock was. If he was playing in these rules, would he get 10 turnovers a game? Like, if you get anywhere near the ball, you get a penalty and a turnover, now, don't you? It's, it's felt a lot like that, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it was that one, that, that photo of Pablo that we've got up, where he literally touched the ground with both hands yep. and had both his elbows on the ground. Yep. And, look, he was clear and dominant in that breakdown. But by the letter of the book, he was penalised. Like, he should not have got that ball. None of that gets pinged anymore, mate. You put your hands on the ball, nothing else matters. It's absolutely ridiculous. But, look, I, I still think he had the right to the ball. So you either change the law, which they've been trying to make it harder to pilfer because Pocock was too good at it. Yeah. Or, you know, you, you've got to ping him for that. Yeah. Well, for, I think we always come back to consistency and uh, just bouncing. I feel like they bounce often bounce between someone on the ball for half a second and they blow it up. And sometimes someone could be on the ball for a good, you know, five seconds without getting the reward. And, and that's, that's the most frustrating thing. Um, and I can understand, you know, with a ref running across the field, trying to get in a position to get a good picture and whatever, that, how that varies. But that's the most frustrating thing sometimes. Mm. About, uh, how about players from New Zealand? I was just frothing on Richie Mo again. I feel like he's going to get pinged 
for kicking that ball. I think he kicked it dead off a penalty, kicked a touch. Yeah. Because, you know, they were chasing the game and he was going for maximum metres. And I stand by the same one I said, you know, Banks stuffed that up twice in two tests. I would rather him not stuff it up, but I'm glad that they're backing themselves to go for the big play. Mm. He's just, Richie Moe is such a freak. Every time he touches the ball, he looks like scoring. I'm now seeing him take those first man hit-ups off the back of line-outs or rucks. And he's holding the ball in two hands and then just late, just kind of tucks in like he's trying to squeeze through a tiny little like <laughs> gap between two walls. And he just belts it at a million miles an hour. And he's just always getting his arms free. That's the thing. It's that acceleration. He just takes off. in the, like yeah. he, He's taking a few steps just jogging and then he just... Like lightning, he just sets off. Yeah, yeah. I think I think in the last over this sort of tournament and the Bledisloe, he's answered the question for me that he has to be their ten. You know, between him and Barrett, I think Moana just offers so much. He's been so good. He had another four tackle busts um, this weekend. He is just absolutely dangerous. He could have set up a try with an offload if someone was on his shoulder. Yep. I. You guys know how much I love Richie Moana. I still disagree. Bowden Barrett is my starting 10. Richie Moanga on the bench. You don't... I think we're, all teams are running into I'm a problem recently. And it feels like... Do you, do you remember how long the All Blacks had, say, like four amazing 10s? There's nothing wrong with having an amazing 10 on the bench. I agree. Right? Barrett it, it looks like, great on the bench. It feels like after Richie and Bowden Barrett, who, who's their next best 10? I mean, it's, it's clearly Joshuani. Yeah. yeah, I know. But that's, that's a definite drop, right? We're talking it's a huge drop. There's nothing wrong with having another... Like, look, as, as, as far as we're concerned, they have the two best 10s in the world, Bowden Barrett and Richie Moanga. There's nothing wrong with having one starting one on the bench. That's all I'm saying. And that's... I, I would still start and, the world's best the player, Bowden Barrett, I would be starting it. Who's the guy that covers a number of positions on the bench? That's Bodie Barrett, mate. Bodie Barrett hasn't looked as good as Moanga at, you know, leading the team around, things like that, anywhere near as much. You know, still just as, you know, can break the game wide open. But Moana looks like he's controlling that team a whole lot better. For me, that comes down to consistency in the saddle. If I had been the All Blacks coaches and selectors, I would have been starting Bowden Barrett consistently for the last couple of years because he is... But he, but he hasn't, so you can't undo that. If you're no. talking about continuity, you go with what you've been doing more of then. And you go with Moana. He's got a longer time left in his career. You know, he covers less positions. He's got to be the guy for 10 for me. Well, the, the, I think I guess I'm biased then by saying you you, you can have a, a world class ten on the bench. You can't have Bowden Barrett on the bench. So it only works for me. It only works the other way around. You can start Bowden Barrett and you can have Richie Moanga on the bench, but you can't start Richie and have Bowden on the bench. Bowden's too good a player in any position to not be on the field, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, he earned the right. He was behind a hell of a, a lot of class players, mm-hmm. and he was an impact player. He came on in all kinds of positions. Yeah, enough on Barrett. He's a brilliant player. We know that. Look, Sam Whitelock, he also had a massive heart rate, a heart rate, work rate in this game. Lots of heart, heart rate probably was massive, isn't it? <laughs> it probably was. Um, Aaron Smith, he's always a gun, so we, we can't be too surprised. His pass is just absolutely, you know, second to none in, in world rugby. His kicking game was excellent. He's just got a massive work rate to, to save that try. I think it was... Was it Moonga that held him held, or made the first contact? And then Aaron Smith, you know, scooped around and, and it was Moonga yeah. sprinted across and made him step inside. And, and Aaron Smith from nowhere made this like legs tackle to save yeah. the try. He, he was making box kicks for 40 or 50 meters and dropping them just on the sideline. Like everything that guy does is world class. <laughs> Ridiculous, yeah. mate. And so is, was so was Kubeshi. I mean, how that was a masterclass of the drop kick. I mean, he he was Kubeshi was good, but Aaron Smith was better. Aaron Smith oh, is, sure. you know, not even no one comes close to him mm. at the moment in terms of a halfback. Yeah, no, very good. Um, so yeah, look, I mean, both uh, both the fly halves missed a pe- penalty goal. I think they only missed one each, but um, it's kind of rare from both of them. Um, took away a little bit of momentum and. I guess, look, my final point on the, the... So the first half ended 16-3. Uh, I think the All Blacks, they were, again, looking to... They always look to score points just before the halftime. Or, sorry, they always seem to score points just before halftime. And the Argies were lucky to kind of get away. I think they were down in the danger zone. Um, but uh, I just wanted to wrap up with the first half. For mine, and you've got to tell me if I'm crazy here, obviously, luck wasn't going their way. Argentina came out just absolutely fired up. But I also felt like... Normally, you see New Zealand respond and you see them respond in a couple of ways, but it just felt like 
as far as their recent performances, they were a little bit lackluster. It was kind of like, I didn't see the desire or like the, the, it's like they couldn't lift to the same level that Argentina was. Well, this, and, came, back, this came back to my next question was, who do you blame? I don't, well, I don't know who to blame. I thought he was of the old really That's true. Just in rounding out my point, this is where I think you'll tell me I'm crazy. When you, you remember how you said a couple of weeks ago, you watched the Harker Harry and you said that you, you could feel from that Harker that we were in trouble. Hmm. I watched the Harker and it felt a pretty lackluster Harker. Now, this is where I don't know if I'm crazy. It just didn't, I didn't get that same feeling. Maybe it's because they kept cutting to the camera of Pablo Matera's death stare versus the Harker, which is basically its own Harker, really. But um, I don't know. I just, I just felt like they, they, weren't, they didn't come out as up for this game. I feel like they came out thinking they're going to win this game. They're like, we've never lost. We're going to win this game, whatever. Um, and that also, it was just then a snowballing effect of the pressure Argentina was mounting some luck not going their way, whatever. Did, but, but did you guys get that vibe of of them not being up for it? Look, it's a hard one. I, I, I don't think New Zealand's ever not up for it. I think they just couldn't react to what was happening. It's the same as in game one when Australia came out and, and put that pressure on early. I just think there's something where they, they don't have this ability to adapt to that pressure anymore. When the going gets tough, they don't seem to have all the answers, which they've had in the past. Maybe it's leadership. I, I don't know. I mean, in terms of coaching, you know, I don't think they've changed too much in their, their squad, you know, like in terms of how they play. For me, it sounds critical, but it's leadership. You know, like... I, I, look, I think I, I agree with Kagi, but when they're not up for it, like their players were still great in a lot of ways. They still had yeah. huge work rates. Like seeing the work that Lots of heart. did was awesome. Yeah. But... The difference every single time they've lost or drawn is that they don't come out with that fire to just dominate. When they smoked Australia in the second and third Bledisloe, they knew what was on the line and Australia never, ever got a sniff. So you can argue that the other way and say Australia weren't up for it. They were, you know, they weren't accurate, but that's, that's BS because everything was on the line for Australia coming back into Australia. And we never even had a tiny bit of a look in New Zealand. As soon as there's not that same kind of, I guess, huge uh, balls to the wall kind of feeling at the moment, that physicality drops a notch and they don't have the men just to kind of roll over teams in that department anymore. That's to me. it. Yeah. But I mean, on that, I think that's very similar to my point. You know, the other games they've, they've come out, you know, haven't been the dominant side at the start and then haven't been able to, you know, retrieve that, you know, dominance at any point in the game. Whereas in the past, they always have been able to do that. I, I don't think it's necessarily that they wanted that game more or whatever it might be. It's just that things worked for them early and they continued down that path where in these other games, when something's gone tough against them, they haven't been able to pull themselves out. They look like they wanted that game. I, I don't, I don't buy into that. They didn't want it or, you know, it wasn't as important or whatever else. They looked like they wanted that game. They were giving everything. They just couldn't react and, and couldn't, you know, find the answers. Okay. No, that's interesting. That's see, that's where I thought I wasn't sure if I was just seeing something or if I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. But I guess we talk a lot about their response after a loss. Like the Crusaders, the All Blacks, generally the week afterwards, they come out and they just are they chomping at the bit. They absolutely annihilate whoever's next. And I don't know if there if there is that tiny bit of complacency because they didn't come out from a loss against the Wallabies to play South Africa or to be playing the Wallabies again. If because they were like, we're coming out and we're playing Argentina. Mate, there's no, there's no complacency after your first four games. You've got a draw and a loss against Australia. You didn't win the World Cup last year. I, I honestly just don't think there's complacency. Every single guy there wants his spot and he wants to be in there for the next World Cup. You know, the coach wants to be a long-term coach at the All Blacks. There is no such thing as complacency when you've got 40 rogues sitting behind you ready to take your spot. And this wraps back around to my question, who do we blame? Yeah, thank you for getting us back on track. Um, Tyrell Lomax. <laughs> That's got to be Tyrell. Tyrell. No, he's the only Aussie in their squad, mate. You can't blame him. <laughs> he's a, he's a, um, he's a what, what do you call it? A, a double agent. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, look, let's... I don't know who there is to blame exactly. Look, we blame Geordie Barrett, if you want. I was just reading a... Um, an NZ Herald, Herald article was talking about uh, some key stats from the game. And one of them was that Geordie Barrett's only made two metres uh, this entire game. So that's not great from Geordie. Uh, look, maybe he didn't get the ball. Or Caleb Clark did, was fielding all the kicks and running them back. Um, but still, Geordie Barrett not finding 
you know, his way to get involved. That's um, huge. Well, so. is, it, is it just me or have New Zealand lost the ability to field a high ball? And have they lost the ability to bash up a forward pack? Like those two things have fallen off a cliff for them. And their line out, to be fair, they're, they're you know, the defensive teams, you know, in the last few weeks have started to steal their line out a whole lot more. There's, there's, there's a lot of errors there. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think maybe it's because uh, I, I enjoyed seeing Sam Whitelock run out just with an enormous black eye from the week before. So thanks, Lockie Swinton. Uh, made it harder for him. Um, and uh, clearly he wasn't seeing the lineouts that well, uh, I guess. But uh, no, it was impressive <laughs> from, from yeah, Argentina. Hugo Petty, uh, who we, we call one of the best locks in the world before the game. And I mean, he was immense as well. Oh, him, Kremer and him led the way in, in run metres, I think, for Argentina. They were just immense. They were getting through the carries. And they were making dominant tackles. Like they, you couldn't ask for anything more from both of them, basically. Yeah. But look, talking, well, talking set. I was just going to say, talking set piece. The scrum. Do you know who I really liked? Who I hadn't seen much of, and I can't remember. Um, you know, one Imoff on the wing hadn't played since the 2015 World Cup, uh-huh. but C- Codella, the tight head prop, hadn't played since uh, a couple of years before that. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, he came on. He is a classic tight head prop. I loved it. He is. He's the proper fat man. He has a huge. Uh, he's got a huge ass, a huge legs, and man, he played. He played about seventy minutes. Do you realise that? Seventy-five. He, he played. What was it? Seventy-five. He's thirty-five. Oh, he's thirty-five. He's thirty-five. He played about seventy minutes, and he was just great. He literally. He's, he's lumbering, lumbering around. He made some good, solid tackles. There was once or twice, you know, at, he he made a. Um, there was only a couple of forwards left. He, he made an absolutely fantastic covering tackle, tackle at full full dive, but. Um, but the main thing was he was just brilliant at the scrum. I think yeah. um, we've talked a lot about how, how good the Australian front row is. And I feel like still somehow we haven't been able to figure out how New Zealand has been getting away um, in, in the scrums with not, not as coming off as, as worse for wear as we think they should. This game they did. Um, Argentina really gave it to them in a few of the scrums. And it was just really good to see. Yeah, I think we were touching on the, the people that were really successful and, and really strong through this match. Uh, pretty much we've touched on the whole Argentinian forward pack. There's no <laughs> doubt in that. Sanchez, he got 25 points to his name. Absolutely massive. I, I think one other thing that's an issue for the All Blacks was the selection. So many people playing our position. We had Rico Iwani come into centre. They threw, I think, Anton Leonard-Brown out to the wing. Um, but a typical fashion, they scored a late consolation try as they did the week prior in, in that loss, um, which made the, the score a little bit more flattering for them. But look, I, I think this is going to be, this is a pretty serious team for the All Blacks. Chocobares made his debut. He was really, really solid. But I think it was important for them having that open borders policy in terms of selecting Cordero and Imahoff. Uh, massive for them, but it just yeah had a massive checker feel about it. This one, and it'll be interesting to see if they can back up for their next game. Elastoplast the sponsor, mate. There was a lot of claret out there for sure. They were all bloody raining blood by the end of that game. Right. Just, I gave you the perfect segue, mate. Did you? Um, this game. Well, uh, yes. How about that? Let's move on to the next game then. Um, that was same meal time, mate. Time for the main course. Yeah. Yes, big, big that's entree. it. Entree, main course, Australia versus Argentina up in McDonald Jones Stadium in Newcastle this weekend. Uh, Harry, why don't you take us through who's returning? And Nelson, you can take us through the bookies. Uh, well, actually, while we're on that, how, how did your punts go last week, mate? Did you um, did you bet on Argentina or? Uh... I um I decided not to bet on it, and then I was sitting there watching the game in disbelief with a few Kiwis around me, and they were all going, "We're done. We're going to lose." I'm like, "Nah, all the Kiwis aren't aren't back in it." But I'm I'm going to you know ride home the All Blacks. They're paying good money, you know, to score a couple of tries at the back end of the game, and they lost. So I mean, I am clearly betting on the All Blacks on every time that in every match they versus the Wallabies from now on in. Yeah, that's two weeks in a row I've been on them, and it's the first time that they've lost. We really since 2011. If someone rang and called you and said, "How much would you pay for the All Blacks to lose?" I mean, we'd all empty our bank accounts, really. So yeah, just sure. continue this as a strategy. But sorry, Harry, can you take us through who's returning for the uh, for the Wallabies? Yeah, I mean, James O'Connor is the obvious one. That's like kind of on the forefront of everyone's mind after mm. we had to use Hodge as a fill-in last week. Um, obviously. You know, a brilliant feeling away from his performance, which is very, very good. But I, I hear he's still battling in the injury. I don't think it's completely confirmed. Although, you know, there was word that he was, he was rumored to be close last game. 
So you, you would expect that he comes back from his MCL injury and slots straight in at 10. Anyone want to disagree with that? Look, I, I don't want to disagree. I, I think, you know, if, if you were Hodge, this game is, is going to be really important that, you know, the kicking game and field position, he, he'd be thinking he's in for a chance for this one with his kick and, and how he played in that last match. But, um, look, I think you're more likely to see James O'Connor, but there's still a small chance you see Hodge. And the, uh, the the line on this one, I, I don't think there's any other players coming back. Sorry, just to just to round that out. But um, sorry, the big one there was Lucan Salakai Lotto. We don't think no, will be back. maybe for the last game, so yep. two weeks away. So yeah, he's he won't be back this week. No way. Yep. Um, the bookies have the Wallabies at a dollar fifty-five to win by five points or more. Bold. That just seems like it's way too short. And to me, that just says that the bookies don't think the Argies can back it up. You know, there's always that big question about how does a team back up such an emotional win, such an emotional high. And that's going to be the biggest questions for the, the question for the Argentinian team in this game. If they, uh, if they roll out and play like they did on the weekend, I think the Wallabies are in huge, huge trouble. But uh, you could see how much it meant to them. And it's going to be hard to come back from that. Yeah, Here's I think... Sorry, I was going to say, here's, yeah. the hope, here's the hoping that they've played their World Cup final, mate. Yeah, look, I, I mean, this this is going to prove whether they're the real deal or not. I, I think for me, you know, there's the Aussie coach and the forwards coach from Australia, you know, only last year, they're now in charge of Argentina and they've got a chance to, you know, go back-to-back, beat New Zealand and Australia and have a real crack at winning this um, rugby championship. Surely the passion can't be lacking. It's just whether, you know, they're too drained physically and mentally coming into this week. We've had a couple of weeks off. Um, I don't think, you know, we've been planning for what they showed for the last week prior to watching that. But, you know, we're going to be primed and ready to go as well. It'll be interesting to see um, if Michael Check is still there this week. And the only reason I say that is, as a very proud Australian, uh, Checker did once say he would never coach any team against Australia. And, and the only reason that he has joined the Argies is because it was called in as a personal favour from Mario, from close friend Mario Ledesma. But um, I think he'll... Oh, look, I wouldn't be surprised if he's, if he's up there in the, the coaching box next week, but um, I'm sure he'll find it difficult. Um, he, he will be. And apparently they've already said that he's allowed to sing the Wallabies or the Australian National Anthem. <laughs> In right. that so yeah, yeah, he's going to be in there singing for Australia in the Argentinian box. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. It's going to be a weird experience. Yeah, massive. <laughs> he's, he, just, he just like he's just holding down a direct radio, like the to the Wallabies from the whole Argentinian box room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so I, I guess a few big things for me here. Um, the the biggest, most obvious question staring the Wallabies in the face in this game is. An Argentinian team that just completely bullied a New Zealand side. And let's be honest, the Australian team is lacking some physicality. Losing Lokan Salakai Loto is going to be big. What are the volumes? How do do we get around this? Personnel changes, um, tactics. What do do you guys think? I think the tactics have been right. You know the last the last couple of matches we we sent Swinton out to do a job. We've sent other guys out to do a job. Lucan Salolotto was was one of those guys as well. But I don't know who the personnel is to do it. Um, I think we're we're, we're chatting. Sorry. Well, it's not those guys. Yeah, it's definitely not those. But you know, I, I don't think the game plan needs to change in terms of that. You know, we we've been going out similar. You know, trying to make that contact high and, and hold the play up and be very physically dominant in attack to slow down New Zealand. We, we're going to need to do the same thing in defence here and, and try to win that physicality battle. But I mean, we've lost our two most physical forwards. I guess uh, that's you know that's a great point. Um, the two questions really that come here are. Uh, you know, New Zealand has really struggled against the rush defence. So have we. Um, so what what can we learn from New Zealand's performance uh, and how, how are we going to deal with that? Uh, that will be my first question that I'll pose to both of you. And my second question would be, do Argentina go into this game changing anything about their strategy? Obviously, you know, it, it would be very easy to say that strategy works wonders. We beat the All Blacks with it. Australia and New Zealand are fairly similar size in the way they play. Is there anything that you I'll answer this question first? I suppose is there anything that you can think of that Argentina would likely want to adapt to playing the Wallabies uh, from their game plan last week? 
I, I, to, to answer, I don't think so. But what do you guys no, think? No, not at all. I, no, I, 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 I don't answer so. the other part after, but um, I don't think they need to change a single thing. Try and bash the hell out of us, win the line out, <laughs> try and push us around at scrum time. I, I think they'll do the exact same thing. Yeah, I yeah, I think we've actually looked, you know, with that pressure on our inside. As soon as we lost James O'Connor and Tamua, that combo, you know, we, we've really struggled with that line speed and, and people coming in and shutting down our 10 channel there. So, I mean, if it's Pace Army at 12 and they're shooting in and shutting it down in there, I, I don't think he's got the ability to, to stop that in terms of his pass and chip, um, as, you know, we, we've seen with Tamua there or... We might even see with if James O'Connor was was twelve or, or you know um, Hodge was there. So it really depends for the Wallabies in terms of their personnel that they're going to pick there. But I don't think Argentina need to change anything. I, I don't I don't think that can be how the Wallabies go about it, Nels. I, I think the only way that that we can win in that against that kind of attack is that Nick White becomes even more important. His boxing mm. game becomes absolute massive, but yeah. also. The Wallabies players like Taniella Tupa, Poe, Alan Alatoa, um, Harry Wilson. I think Issy Nasserani is a no-brainer. Bring him in at eight and put Wilson at six. I think we need to use those big bodies playing off nine and snooping around the ruck to try and get through to try and put them on the back foot. I, I think that's the way that a Wallabies team has to play against that kind of stuff. To, to, to punch it up real tight, we're going to have to force them to, to bring them in from the, the, the I think, um, field. Yeah, I think that's how you start the game. You start playing off that nine and show you're willing to just truck guys up um, through that, that channel there. And then that's when you've got to have, you know, whether it's James O'Connor or whoever else, sitting in behind the line as an option to, to pick and choose when they're going to go wide. But mm-hmm. I, I do agree with that. I think that's a good point. They just need to, you know, suck it in tight and uh, just truck it up that, that centre with their bigger bodies early on. Yeah, no, I agree. I think... Um, uh, Look, from the last game against the Obers, there was one line break in each for each team for the RGs and the um, the All Blacks. So you're right; they've, they've got to change something. If the Argentina's going to come out and defend the same way, just fill that field, not commit to rucks. You've got to change something to create space. The All Blacks were struggling to find any space and generate any momentum and go forward. So I think we're going to have to. There's no other option other than trucking it up in tight, a little bit uncreative. Um, the Nick White is going to become our most pivotal player for this you, game. You've got to find a way to get a pass, get past that advantage line, so their defenders are moving back. Something that all the All Blacks did not manage to do very much in that game whatsoever. But it, you, you saw, you know, they did five, six hit ups, ended up, you know, behind the advantage line, and then just kicking the ball away aimlessly to to Argentina on a, a number of occasions. You know, we, we've got to look to actually do offensive kicks and plan our kicks and not make it, you know, a last resort, which we saw New Zealand do a few occasions on the weekend. Great. All right. Well, look, let's, let's do it. Let's go through the, a bit of the Wallabies lineup, just the big questions. Um, there's a few players that I think we'll all agree on the pick, pick themselves. The big questions for mine, the front row, um, no James Slipper, Danny shoulder. He's out for mine. Um, it's got to be um, Scott Seo if he's fit. No, sorry. Scott Seo's not fit. Is he? Yeah, he's, he's fit. He's, he's fit. I'm oh, sorry. Fit. Okay. Yeah, so CEO's got to come in and start, I would say, with Angus Bell off the bench. I know Bell was impressive um, at the end of that game against the All Blacks, but for mine, I would still be starting Scotty CEO bringing on Angus Bell. 100%. Um, Yep, you guys with that. All right, and then, again, the big question we talk about every week, Alatoa and Tupo. Look, (laughs) that's a really difficult one, but I would keep the same. Alatoa to start, Tupo off the bench. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Excellent. All right. The uh, the back row, Harry's already smashed that one. I think we will all definitely all agree that probably our strongest foot, foot forward would be Nazarani and Wilson. Um, there's, I mean, is there anyone else that even competes really? Like the only other person you could think of in terms of physicality might be Valentini. But look, I think if we agree on Harry Wilson, Nazarani needs to be those two in the back row. Who's the backup then? Is, do we go for a Valentini to bring on a bit more impact? Or do we go for Liam Wright to bring on, um, you know, just someone to kind of settle it down a bit more. Let's just um, remember that we also have Rob Simmons starting. So they're going to want someone that can play that lock as well, I think. Ted Flanagan on the bench is what you're saying? or I mean, it's not what I want, but I, I think it will be, yeah. Well, is it, it Ted, be. But will he be the bench lock or the bench back rower? I don't think they'll play both, will they? No, they, they did last time out. Yeah? They had him on the bench as a, a lock. And then they still had a bench back rower. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So assuming we have a bench back rower, who would you guys be picking? Liam Wright, Rob Valentini or Pete Sarman? I think you'll probably find Liam Wright there for me. 
That's what I would do as well. Well, fra- sorry, if it was you guys, Fraser McWright, we know that. Sorry, but if not including, he'd be starting, mate. If it was, <laughs> yeah, okay, Liam Wright. Yeah, I, I have to agree, but I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be upset if we had Rob Valentini. Just bring some extra punch. You know what I mean? Just have mm-hmm. Valentini Tupo coming on and smashing some people. Yeah, Valentini right now is the Shannon Frizzle of Australian <laughs> rugby. Make it. How about show some physicality a few weeks in a row, then we can talk about Valentini. Fair enough. Yeah, all right, that's the back row. Look, we uh, we talked about 10. So for all three of us, <laughs> O'Connor to slot straight back in, assuming he's fit. So the Hodge dilemma, for me, what this does is that I think the choices are as follows. Hodge either moves to 12 uh, or he moves to 15 or he moves to the bench. Now, if he moves to 12, that would see Paisami go to the bench with Bataya at 13. I know both of you would like perhaps Paisami to start at 13. But... Uh, I don't know. There's pros, pros and cons to that. Um, it, I think it, it purely comes down to what that tactic is. Is that if that tactic is to, you know, kick the shit out of the ball for you know the early portion of the match and just play it out of your zone, you've got to get Hodge on there somehow. If it is to be very physical in tight, then then Paisami's your man at twelve. You know, mm-hmm. he he will be the the guy that can settle it in that in, the inside channel as well. Um, he slot into first receiver on a few occasions um, last last match out as well. Um, but I mean, they're, they're all realistic potentials here. But I think if, if your choice is to want to be physical in tight, I think you've got to have Paisami as your 12. Later on, maybe you bring Hodge into that 12 channel, whatever it might be, and, and add that extra pass to get the ball a little bit wider. But It'll be interesting to see who, who's at 15 if it's Banks again after a, a decent match last time out or if Hodge takes that position because if you need to sneak in that boot, I mean, Banks does have a good boot, but if you need to sneak in that boot, that's a position Hodge could fill. But you just don't want to chop and change too much. Yeah, look, I, I'm with you. I, I think you can't go past the fact that every time the Wallabies backline has looked good this year, it's been with Paisami smashing people at, at in attack and defence. I don't think there's any way you can move him at the moment, especially okay. considering you're not moving him to 13. Bataira will be at 13. We all know that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then that means that the only other option for him is for Hodgie is 15. And to be honest with you, <clears throat> Rather, they put him straight back to the bench. I think Banks played very well. I think he also offers a long kicking game as well. And he's the one that was doing the kicking for touch. So I think logic says uh, Hodge just straight back to the bench and can fill in wherever is needed very adequately. And, and sorry, DHP, whereabouts? Is he available? He's gone for the squad for now, sadly, I think. He's gone for the, gone for the squad, okay. Um, yeah, I, say, I, have, I have to say, I, I agree. Um I, I thought long and hard about putting Hodge in at 12. Uh, I mean, Paisami is obviously very young, but God, he's almost been one of our better players, hasn't he? He's just been fantastic. Okay. And I'm very excited by the prospect of Chocobares and Paisami going at it at 12. That's, that is fair. It's going to be I, awesome. I think you might find Hero Heronimo de la Fuente back as well, though. Uh-huh. I think he was pretty close to fit as well. The hero. Very good. All right. Well, so Hodge could be unlucky and back to, uh, back to the bench. Um, now, the reason for that, I mean, look, obviously he's played wing before for the Wallabies, but I think going through the players that select themselves, Corabidi, your first pick, done. Bataya, he's picking himself. Matt Phillip, picking himself. Nick White, picking himself. And for mine, I think the two players that have earned themselves um, the right for another start, Tom Wright has earned himself the right for another start. And... Uh, cool. <laughs> good one. Um, and so, uh, and look, the last player... Uh, that I'm not sold on, but what do you guys think? Brandon Pangaramosa, has he earned himself the right for another start as well? I think so. I, yeah, I, can't, I think he has. I can't see the stat and how many rucks he hits. To me, that's probably the the one thing that we're not getting to see that we that is really important to his game. But I think around the set piece, he's really fixed a huge problem for us at the moment. But yeah, yeah we'd love to know what else he's doing around the park because it's hard to see otherwise. Very good. All right. Um, now, look, other players, do, do you want to see any uh, of the new squad members um, in on the bench? Uh, we've got James Ram, Len Ikatow, Joe Powell. No, they've, they've all, all left, sorry. They're, they're, <laughs> James Ram, Len Ikatow, Joe Powell and Pony Farmasili have returned basically to their families, being released from the squad. Right. That's my inability to read. Uh, being it is. Um yeah, no, who, who who else do you want to see on the bench? For example, if we're having Hodge on the bench, who's uh, who's your twenty three jersey? 
Oh, mate, this, that's a hard question. Sprung it on them. <laughs> Caught him. Deer in headlights. I that a team in front of me, but Dungun is probably the other one that makes perfect sense to me. I think, you know, yep. he had a shocker a couple of weeks ago, but he's there's a lot to like about him. He's probably a pretty obvious option. And I wouldn't mind watching him just putting hits on Delgi or something like that. Yeah. And are we saying as well, um, obviously, there's no chance of like a Simone or something sneaking in on the bench? Um, I don't think so when you've got Hodge there. You know, uh, Hodge is the guy that can fill a lot of different positions. Uh, I think you want a, an all-in, you know, out-and-out, out, you know, finisher, someone who can, you know, lift the tempo and be quite exciting. And I think that will be Dalgunu. Dalgunu, sorry. Awesome. All right. Well, any other any other points on the Wallabies before we move to our deserto uh, with for some listener questions? Uh, the the only other thing I can think of is I, I think I heard a rumor of and I was just trying to have a quick look, but I didn't. Um, of Boffelli maybe being back as well. I think he was in amongst it. Yeah, he was pretty close to being ready for the last game. They just didn't somehow didn't rush him back. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not starting on the left wing. And that would be in in place of Imoff as well, right? In place of Imoff, yeah, yeah who you could say was just stoked to beat the All Blacks. He's probably lost to them a number of times. So Yeah, and, and, and the, the funny thing is as well, I think, well, not funny thing, but I think that adds a lot to their back three because Buffett oh. has that gigantic boot. Not mm-hmm. that Sanchez isn't big anyway, but yeah, yeah. gigantic boot. And he's he's easily surely the best in the air out of uh, him, Carreras and Elgi as well, who are both those small zippy back, yeah. back three players. So I think that is really important for them to have someone with that kind of height. Yes, absolutely. He'd be best in the air on field for sure. Um, you'd have to think. But um, yeah, all right. Very good. Um, it's going to be interesting. What's your tip? tip? Tip for the game. So I can't forget that. Uh, I'm going to tip the Wallabies to win by mm. not very much. How much? Five points. Harry. Yeah, the line's four and a half. So that's a that's a juicy bet right there. Uh, <laughs> look, I, 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 I'm going to bet the Wallabies as well. And it's not because I think that Argentina don't deserve the win. I just think it's going to be so hard to back up. If they play like this, <clears> the <throat> I'm going to be wrong, put it that way. But um, I'm going to go Wallabies by eight points. Yeah, I, I'm on the same wavelength. I think that that's very emotionally draining, and not only for the starting players and the bench players, their whole squad. You know, it's such a massive week for them. I'm sure they're straight back into the training, but I just I, I think it might be a little too much two weeks in a row. They definitely proved me wrong with absolutely dominating that that match this week, but uh, I think it might just be too much two weeks in a row. They they could quite well get up against Australia next time out, but I'll say Australia by. You've both done my two most likely scores. I say by by seven. Now, you say, put some money on Argentina this week, though. Sorry, <laughs> could you put some money on Argentina this week for me? Yeah, we'll do. Did, did you say seven, Harry, or eight? Eight. I'll say seven. I just have this ominous feeling that we're going to be eating our words, though, which is uh, yeah, I, I feel, I'm always surprised. Yeah, I, I feel like we all have the inability to uh, to not back Australia. But anyway, um, moving on. That will take us to uh, our deserto. What's it gonna do with that? Uh, where we tuck in some listener questions. So thank you for our very valued listeners for getting back to us with some questions on Twitter. So first question rug from at rugby fixation, Mitchie Evans and his podcast. You should be going and giving that a listen straight after this one. If um, you're not already onto that, uh, his question, with Ram, Ikatao and Powell leaving the squad, do you see that as a chance for Harrison, HJH, Rosea, um, et cetera, to get a call up for some game time? For me, uh, maybe. Yeah, for me, the first two, no. Maybe Hosea, who, who knows, is that, that bench locks position. Uh, I suppose it depends where they're putting Hannigan on that bench squad. But I think, you know, after watching that match, it's not the time you start bringing Harrison and HJH into into their matches. You know, I I just think they're there in case at the moment, but I don't think they're, they're still in the squad because they're going to be used. Well, I, th- I think that's the case for HJH, but sure, Harrison, I'm sure that Harrison is there just to develop in the Wallabies team because yeah. they can't give all their young playmakers a run at the moment. I think it's pretty obvious that, you know, that there's only a couple of young fly halves that are going to be potentially in that jersey in three, four, five, six, seven, eight years' time. So you need to give them a lot of time in the saddle to get comfortable in that environment. 
I agree. I, I don't know why, but I hadn't thought much about HH after um, lauding him last week for his brilliant performance against the um, Argentina against Argentina for the Australia 15. Um, I think if he wasn't, if he hadn't just bulked up and become a tight head, he would be a shoe in to be, to be on, at least on the bench for this game, if not possibly starting at, top, at loose head. So, um, yeah, he's uh, he's one of those players. It's like uh, Thomas Detroit in, in the Springboks, who they kept swapping from loose to tight. And every time he swapped, they just happened to have a plethora of players in that position. So he just kept getting <laughs> done over. So HJ is kind of going down that mold. But um, no, I agree. Look, for Hosea, look, I, I would start Hosea over Rob Simmons any day of the week. I'd start anyone. I'd start, you talk about Harrison, I'd start Justin Harrison, mate. He's, he's about 45 or something on the Fox Sports. I'd start him over Rob Simmons. Yeah, I don't care. Um, but anyway, let's, on, um, let's move on to our next question. Uh, rugby for all JP. Uh, Japan, um, can the Wallabies match up in the tight five? <clears throat> and yes, they're going to miss Lockie Swinton a whole heap. The big lesson here, big brain farts have consequences for the whole team far beyond the game, for your one game, rather. Just, Harry. I'll just clarify, Lockie Swinton's not in the tight five. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't, doesn't matter. He, he still was a physical you presence. You That's can't sneak one past these boys. You can't, you can't <laughs> yeah. do it. Front row, I reckon we can definitely, definitely compete. And I, I, honestly, I think Alamano is pretty average as well. He's probably their worst forward last week. I, uh, I don't think we can compete with Guido Petty, though. <laughs> Not <at all. laughs> yeah, no. Can, can they bring back Lavanini so that other locks went up far off? Bring back Lavanini so that we can, you know, they can play. We can play fourteen men. That'd be good. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think the physical physicality battle, you know, it will be a big one between these two forward packs. If we're we're charging up the ball and with high body height, and they're they're you know defending like they did last week, it'll be pretty difficult. But we could see a really good clash between these forward packs. Yeah, look, I'm I'm, I'm happy to say our front row is better than theirs. Um, it's just for my question is really how much worse is Rob Simmons than Alabama? That's basically what we're looking at, isn't are we? But mate, who who's got the better uh, hooker? Um, well, look, you're the expert on that, but um, no. I, I, Montoya, mate. I, I don't, yeah, he's all right, but I don't know. I, I actually don't rate Montoya that highly. I think I don't give him enough credit, but. Um, Above I mean, Brendan Payne, most that we're talking. I mean, he's competing against BPA, who's also trying to find his feet. So I don't think either exceptional at test level just yet, but maybe I'd give it to Montoya by a small margin. Probably because he's played like 50 or 60 tests <laughs> behind yeah, Creedy. For a total of 100 minutes, mate. Yeah, I know, I know. It's, it's probably because <laughs> I, I just always compare him to Creedy. Uh, how, how, he's, how, not, how, he's not Creedy. <laughs> how gutted would Creedy be the first year he retires oh. that he doesn't get to win against the All-Guard? He'd probably, he'd pro- he's, he's such a team player. He's probably just stoked for them, to be fair. No, he would be. All right, our third listener question from Josh Muldorf. Um, and he's gone for a two-parter. Look, we'll allow it this time. But Josh, just be careful, mate. Um, we've got... Uh, at best, the All Blacks can go two out of four in the Tri-Nations. Who's your tip to win the comp now? And I'll throw Harry under the bus first, mate. What do you think? Australia. Nels? Yeah, look, I, I'm leaning towards Australia. Um, God, we've got freaking gold-coloured glasses. <laughs> yeah, look, I, the, the other option is I, I can't see Argentina winning it. I, it's Australia or New Zealand for mine. Um, if, if Australia and New Zealand just duke it out and get one win each, New Zealand, New Zealand will still win because we know they're going to knock loose three games in a row, two to Argentina. So, look, I, I, it's between Australia and New Zealand, but just for being an Aussie, I say so. When's the last time the Wallabies won three games in a row? That's what would happen. Like, I genuinely wouldn't have a clue. World Cup? 2015 World Cup, I reckon. That'll be our best chance. Well, look, as, as Nelson touched on, um, if the Wallabies and Argentina both beat each other once each, we're assuming New Zealand beats Argentina the second time, uh, New Zealand will probably come away with the win because the for and against and whatever, like they did smash the Wallabies in um, the first round of the, rug, uh, of the Tri-Nations. But... Um, yeah, look, who, I, don't, I don't know when the last time we won three games in a row uh, was, but um, as we discussed before the pod, um, look, we've oh, held on to the Tri-Nations for nine years in a row, guys. So um, I, Harry, think, uh, I think we'll, you know, we'll win it again. I've got an answer for you, boys. It was back in 2017, but for it to count, we either include Barbarians. If you want to take that out, we wow. still beat New Zealand and we beat Argentina. So we had one, two, three, four... Four games, five games in a row. What? We beat Argentina, beat New Zealand, beat the Barbarians, beat Japan, beat Wales. 2017. 
wow. And we right. drew South Africa the match before, beat Argentina the match before, drew South Africa the match before, and then lost closely to New Zealand before that. So it was like nine games without a loss or something. How sour are we as um, supporters? Because I, I feel like we just played crap since 2015 up to about 2019. I don't remember any positives out of those kind of four years. <laughs> well, that was, that was one loss out of nine matches. Right, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, but no, as I, as I touched on, yeah, we've held the Tri-Nations for nine years. Look, it might have not been played since about 2011, but um, it would be really good to uh, win it again this year so that if we're back to the Rugby Championship next year, then we can hold the Tri-Nations in perpetuity. Uh, I agree. So, Craigs, who are you tipping? Is Australia as well? I, I said I will go with Australia in solidarity. Oh. Put the glasses on. Wait, we are ridiculous. We are. All right, um, Josh, Josh, Josh's second question was, um, had the Reds... Uh, trio stuck Tony. around. Hmm? Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, the I'm assuming this is the three dogs who uh, left for overseas. <laughs> Throw it out there. Um, would they have sat in the where would it, sorry where would they have sat in the Wallabies pecking order, and have we missed them? So we're talking about Isaac Lucas, uh, Isaac Rodder, and Samu Karevi. Is that who we're talking about? No, Harry Not Karevi. And Harry Hawkins. Look, I, I think okay. you would have seen Isaac Rodder starting every week. Mm. Um, I think you would have probably seen Hawkins get a few matches over this period. Maybe he he uh, shared, you know, time with Simmons, um, but got got a bit of a crack at, at a, a few matches. But I don't think you would have seen um, Isaac Lucas, even though he is absolute lightning. Maybe we would have seen him come off the bench in, in one, but I, I'm not sure. I don't think we would have. I don't know. Who would he be picked above? Isaac Lucas, there's no chance in hell he would have had a run. And Harry Hopkins was always going to be behind Isaac Rodder, Lucan Salakai Lotto, and Matt Phillip. So the well, Lucan Salakai Lotto is injured. Yeah, so the only chance that we would have had to see Harry Hopkins would have been this week on debut, and I reckon they would have picked Simmons. Not if I had anything to say about it, but no, I agree. Look, Isaac Rodder, I think we can all say, would have probably been a shoe in, and I think we've certainly missed him. Um, the other two, look, yeah, Harry, Isaac Lucas. So, is, yeah, Harry, so you're sticking with Ned Hannigan last week on the bench over Hawkins. Yeah, the person they've touted to be a hundred test Wallaby lock. They wouldn't have taken him onto the bench there. They would have stuck with Hannigan. Probably, yeah, because I don't think he's quite developed into the player they're hoping he can be. So I don't think they're just handing out jerseys, uh, despite the fact that Ned Hannigan got his handed out a couple of years. <laughs> Yeah. Good, good question. Um, I think, look, mo- moving, moving along to a swift resolution of that, I think, yeah, certainly Rodder has been missed. Hawkins would have been some vital development for him. It's his real chance to, uh, to be in and amongst the Wallaby squad. Isaac yeah, Lucas, I think, certainly would have been in and amongst the squad, but I don't really think he would have got any game time. I just can't see him. Mean, he wouldn't he have started at 10, too. and he would have been... <laughs> He's about third or fourth in the pecking order for fullbacks. So, um, obviously, Karevi was not part of them, uh, but he would have been starting, just to be clear. He's the best. Um, so, moving on. Uh, at Russell, the rugby. Russ, um, he, his question, he, again, a two-parter. We'll let it slide this time. Uh, before we even end the Tri-Nations, put on the wild, unadulterated speculation hat. That's what we do for most of our podcasts. Uh, who finishes on top of the table in Super Rugby AU 2021 and what does the final ladder look like nelson mate i'm, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say hey, the reds will get it done this year i think the the reason why they didn't is or next year sorry is they just lacked a little bit of that experience come finals time i think a, a few more games together against only aussie components will be uh opponents will be very very helpful for them it, it'll be them versus uh the brumbies I mean, there's, there's no question about it for me. I think the Western Force, they're going to have no continuity. The Waratahs, you know, they've got nobody on their, their squad list. And uh, the Rebels have lost a huge amount of players. So what's your ranking? So it goes Reds, Brumbies. Um, I'm still going to go Western Force to come fifth. I'm going to go Waratahs to come third with more blue-coloured passes on and Rebels come fourth. Yeah, I, I agree. And to answer the other part of that question, when are they going to sign someone, the Waratahs? I think it's pretty obvious that they're waiting for the Argentinian players to be open slather so they can sign Marcos Plema and Pablo Matera. Correct. So, no, that was... Yes, please. That was Russell's second question. Look, we've discussed this many times. New South Wales rugby <clears> is just a big empty office with a lot of empty desks and computers there. There's no one working there because they don't do anything. <clears throat> And so we're going to have to walk in there ourselves and start signing players. But um, I will agree with both of you in terms of my lineup for 
how I see the Super Rugby AU table going. I think the Reds will get it done. I'm glad to see Brad Thorne signed another year. Look, he, he obviously, they probably would have signed him for more than one year. It's just because of COVID and uncertainty, whatever. Um, and look, just again, the mm. second part of that question was, what does the final ladder look like? We're assuming he's talking about the Super Rugby AU ladder, but he could have been talking about our fantasy ladder, the OG League. And I think we can all agree fairly similarly, probably, um, you know, me uh, towards the top, Nelson the bottom, Harry, let's see if he can come back. You know what I mean? It wasn't quite um, no, as, uh, uh, look, swinging as I, I, have, I have another question for, for both of you. In terms of now we know the Super Rugby Trans-Tasman competition as well, How will we see an Aussie team in that final? Where they have to do better against five Kiwi sides than the Kiwis have to do against five Aussie sides, including the Force, the Rebels and the Tars, who are pretty weak at the moment. No. Craigs? No. Let's be honest. It's not yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to have to beat at least three Kiwi sides. You're going to assume. Probably four. Is it just top two finals? <clears throat> I think it, it sounds like it's just top two. Yeah, then they're screwed. I can't see... Like, you'd have to think the Reds are our best shot at it unless the Brumbies, the rolling malls back on fire. But... Um, can't see it happening, you have to say. Well, the Brumbies have had quite a few um, wins in the last two years against Kiwi sides. They, they've definitely got a, a chance. Um, plus, they've got that experience there, but I, I think it's going to be tough. The Blues will be better. The Hurricanes will be the same. The Crusaders will be amazing as always. The Chiefs will be way better, and the Highlanders will be maybe marginally better. So That's true. Look, we'll, give you, we'll, we'll give the inside scoop right now. The Crusaders will win both uh, <laughs> Super Rugby Aotearoa <laughs> and Super Rugby Trans-Tasmania. Yeah, it's that's not too early to put your money on let's not, let's not forget, though, that the Kiwis will beat the living daylights out of each other, you know, twice each prior to versing the Aussies. The Australians will be confident because they're versing each other and not getting smashed by Kiwis leading into it. But also, we're forgetting about the the next uh, forty seven amazing mm. players that have probably just been unearthed in the ITF yeah, yeah. Um, or local provincial rugby. We haven't even seen yet. Um, so you know, there's a few. I think there's a few more brothers and cousins of uh, famous players that are already coming through. <laughs> so it's um, look, Keeney Naholo will probably be the fantasy man of the year next year. You know what I mean? Just like out of the blue. So um, down it. Lots of things to look forward to. But oh, look, how how fortunate are we that we have? Two, like both Super Rugby AU, Super Rugby Aotearoa and a Trans-Tasman competition next year. That's Man, awesome. I, I absolutely love it. I, I think for me, it could even be the best thing moving forward. I, it's not what we're going to probably see from 22 onwards, mm. but I would love to see a national comp um, in terms of Super Rugby so we get an Aussie winner at the end of it, build some confidence against each other and that continuity before we take on the Kiwis. Yeah, yeah. I agree. All right. Well, look, I think that's going to do us. Uh, unless there's any last comments or further business, I'm getting some shaking of heads from both of you. Uh, that's going to do us for not hmm? Up the Wallabies. Oh, excellent. Good. Um, I'm off the Wallabies. <laughs> that's going to, uh, yeah, that's going to do us for the Draft Rugby Show and we'll catch you in the next one. Cheers. Cheers.